0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 21st, 2015. Road Trip on the Road Again, given by special guest, Turner Jones. So, we've checked out the plan, we've started the journey, we even took some detours. Our journey seems to be almost coming to a close. Actually, though, we've only just begun... As the end of this journey is the start of a whole new one. My name is Turner Jones, and it is my pleasure to be with you this morning. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the fathers of everyone in this room. And Lord, even more than that, I thank you that we can look to you as our perfect Holy Father I thank you for clearing up this day so that we can have some fun with the car show in the parking lot. Thank you for this time together to worship your name and open our hearts to your spirit. But most of all, Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the only reason that we can even be here this morning. And it's in his holy, holy name that we pray. Amen. Last week, we left off at Abraham taking Isaac out. Up the mountain for a sacrifice. Because of Abraham's faith and willingness to do whatever God asked, in this case sacrifice his only son, God said that he would greatly bless Abraham and would multiply his offspring as numerous as the stars of the heavens and as the sand of the seashore. That's a pretty hefty promise. At this point, Abraham only had one son that was involved With this deal with God and that was Isaac How was is this going to be fulfilled Through a single son A son who at this point Didn't even have a wife yet And to put the icing on the cake Chapter 23 tells us That Sarah dies Abraham's wife Losing your wife is not exactly the best way to start fulfilling God's promise of a billion offspring. But Abraham knew just what he had to do. Chapter 24 of Genesis, verses 1 through 4, of the New American Standard Bible. Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way, Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all he owned, please place your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. I don't know about you, but the first time I read this, I got kind of stuck on something early on. Why the heck is Abraham asking his servant to hold on to his thigh? (laughs) You see, this undertaking is a huge responsibility, a big one. This servant is being sent out to find the bride who's going to be instrumental in fulfilling God's promise to Abraham. This was no small thing. Some say that the holding of the thigh was used to symbolize pinning the hand down so that it may not do harm to he who was receiving the oath. However, most commentaries and general writings about this practice point in another direction. The biblical text may all interpret this scripture as holding the thigh, but most seem to think that those who were receiving the oath were getting just a tad more vulnerable. Not just the thigh, but the upper inner thigh. As in, hold on to all I've got and swear it. I trust you this much. (laughs) Don't let me down. Abraham knew that this journey was of great importance. The rest of the passage has Abraham instructing his servant to travel back to the homeland to find Isaac a wife. In this era, it was all about families. And in this era, they like to keep it all in the family kind of weird and wrong to think about today, but it was a way to make sure that their bloodlines would stay strong and they could grow from inside. Besides that, Abraham knew that his son needed to marry a woman of God, something that he wouldn't be able to find in Canaan where they lived. So we're on the road again. Verse 10, then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Mehor. You see, it's hard to judge by this how far the servant traveled, but he actually covered quite a bit of ground in the time it took to form two complete sentences. He left Hebron, where Abraham lived and traveled back to Haran, the homeland. This little trip was only around 500 miles. (laughs) Round trip. This dude spent over two months on the road to go pick up the bride, who he didn't even have an ID on yet. However, we quickly see that his trip was worth every single step. As he brought the camels to a well outside the town, the servant prayed. He said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, May it be that the girl to whom I say, Please, let down your jar that I may drink. And who answers, Drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. This is a pretty specific prayer. He wants to make absolutely no mistake in finding this woman for his master's son to marry. He has total trust in this prayer that God will provide exactly what he asks. When I first felt called into ministry, I was not very quick to believe that it was real. I needed affirmation. God, you got to show me that this is actually what you want from me. After a fair amount of little things that seemed to be telling me I was headed in the right direction, I decided to tell my parents, our pastors, (laughs) that I felt called into pastoral ministry. During that time, they told me two people that they had in mind who would be ideal mentors as I began this journey. First, Pastor Scott McClymont, who actually delivered our sermon here just a few weeks ago. The other... Pastor Rob Townsend. But they told me I wouldn't be seeing him very often because the church that he preached at was all the way down in Salisbury. The very next day at church, my mom approached me almost frantically and exclaimed, Did you see who's here this morning? Who? Rob Townsend. He brought his family up here on his week off. Okay, God. (laughs) You got me. Crazy answer to a prayer asking for a sign, huh? If you think that's good, just wait. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milchah, the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor came out with a jar on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him a drink. I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. I like to let that last sentence just play out in my mind again. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. I imagine the servant watches this unfold before him, and his jaw just drops. (laughs) He knew what he had prayed, And he trusted that God was going to deliver. But was this real life? Did this really just happen? Right off the bat, we see that Rebecca has amazing credentials. The first thing he notices is the jar on her shoulder. She's a worker. The next thing, she's very beautiful. Finally, she was a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. Kind of redundant. But that just drives home the point. She was perfect. Exactly what a young man was looking for in a wife. Now, all that needed to happen was God to reveal that this was, in fact, who was right for Isaac. And that's exactly what God revealed. The servant asked for her to offer to water the camels, and she did. She was hospitable. He had brought 10 camels. Ten. (laughs) Not to keep harping on the math, but it's pretty telling. Ten camels would probably altogether drink around 200 gallons of water after a trip like this and it's speculated that Rebecca's jar held about two and a half gallons. This means that she would have to go back and forth to the well 80 times. Even if it took her just two minutes per run, which, let's be honest, it didn't, because she had to go all the way back to the well, go down the well, get the water, come back up, come back, dump it out, come back, come back, even if it was as simple as two minutes each run, it would have taken her over two and a half hours to water the camels. The camels of a stranger. Talk about hospitable. What can we learn from that? How often do we pass up an opportunity to sh- just show some love to a stranger? Meanwhile, Rebecca lugged jugs and jugs of water for hours and hours for someone who didn't even ask her to do it. I challenge you to look for little ways in everyday life this week where you can be a Rebecca. Does that look like holding a door open for someone? Maybe helping a stranger carry groceries to their car? What could it be for you, the little thing that you could do to spread the love? Anyway, after the camels were finished, the servant knew that she was the one. He knew this because he saw that his prayer was answered. When we ask God for something, don't be surprised when he gives us exactly what we need. God answers our prayers one way or another every day. So, once the servant had talked to her family, and she ultimately agreed to journey back and become Isaac's wife, they headed home to Canaan. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. I think this line is about as Hollywood as it gets in Scripture. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. (laughs) I can just see them approaching on the horizon, and the feelings of both relief and pure joy as Isaac sees his bride coming toward him. I mean, after all, he's been waiting at least two months since the servant left, let alone he's probably in his 40s at this point anyway. They wed and begin a family. God's promise is coming to fruition. Just as he gave Isaac to Abraham, he would now give Abraham offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Isaac's family line is God keeping his end of the bargain. And if we flip ahead to the New Testament, the, sec- the second half of the Bible, the second part, to the book of Matthew, we see a tracing of lineage. It begins with Abraham, continues through Isaac, and many, many, many generations later, we receive Jesus Christ into this world. God not only delivered on his promise to Abraham, but in doing so, opened up the door to eventually deliver on his promise to all of us through his son. When Jesus died for our sins, giving us the opportunity to have eternal life. Abraham was given a covenant, and through the fulfilling of that covenant, we're able to receive the new covenant, our salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, the journey of God's promise doesn't end when we do. The journey of God's promise does not end when we do. Every journey that each one of us takes is just a tiny piece Of the greater design and plan that God has for our lives. I thought that that Sunday morning meeting Rob Townsend for the first time was God telling me that indeed I would be a pastor. I was good, I was good. That's all I needed. Little did I know. Just about two years later, in just a week and a half, I would be joining Rob Townsend's staff at Hoke United Methodist Church. God is always thinking ahead, piecing together our journey before it's even complete, before it even starts. Every little thing in each of our lives will be used for his glory. No matter who you are or where you are, God is writing your story. No matter if you've known Jesus your whole life, or this is the first time you've ever heard the name, God is using your journey every plan, every detour for our good and his glory. And if this is the first time you've heard the name of Jesus, head over to the prayer corner during this last song and learn about all that Jesus Christ has done to bring us a life like no other. So, where is God leading you today? Is is it time to hit the road again? Take time this week and don't be afraid to ask God some questions. Where am I going? Am I pursuing life with God's plan in mind or my own? What can I do to get more in tune with the road trip that he's laid out? then take time to actually listen to what he's telling you have some time to pray and meditate on his word open up the scriptures and seek to bring your heart a little bit closer to his be ready though because you may not be expecting God's answer to take you where it will And remember, the journey of God's promise doesn't end when we do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this story. Not just for the story of Rebecca, but for the amazing story that is your word. God, we look to your promises as we seek to grow closer to your heart, and we pray that this week, each day, we can be more like Rebecca, and also just seek to open up to your Holy Spirit, that we can follow what your road trip says instead of the map that we've made for ourselves. God, I ask that you'll just open our hearts and break us down that we may hear your spirit this week, Lord. It's not our plan, but yours. Thank you for this day and this time together and ultimately for Jesus Christ and the plan that we have in him. It's in his name that we pray together. Amen.